These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. You're listening to another episode of the Weekly Warrior Podcast. Welcome back to episode number 51 Yep, the big 5-1. Today, Corey and myself, Jared, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about hiking and backpacking and the outdoors and camping and all of the good things that come along with those activities. We're going to tell you about some key equipment that we think you should include on your first overnight backpacking experience, from your shoes to your packs, from your long socks to your pants, from your sleeping bag to your tent, from your sleeping pad to your pillow. You're going to learn about it all. We're going to tell you about some great hikes in Michigan and in Colorado, what to do if you see Mr. Brown Bear or Mrs. Black Bear out on the trail. It's very rare, but you need to know. And we're going to end this bad boy with that special time of night. Yes, I'm talking about a campfire. So tune in, enjoy, sit back, relax, leave us that five-star review on the iTunes, and as always, discover that warrior within, baby. Would you accept $10 million if by accepting the $10 million, there would be a snail that would perpetually come after you? And he would move at a snail's pace, but if he touched you, you would die. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, that just means that you you can't sit for too long. You can't be idle for too long. Sure. I mean, but maybe you walk right into the snail. So you don't know which way he's coming from. No, no, no. You don't know where the snail's coming. He's very sneaky. He's a sneaky snail. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like you always got to worry about it. Right. I don't know that I'd take the money. I'd be, I don't want to have to worry about where the snail is going to be yeah. and where I might run into him. Um, hmm. So, I mean, because I could be as active as ever and always be moving. Yeah. But I might run into the snail then. Yeah. You could run into the snail on a hike. Exactly. And I don't want to do that. I'd rather just enjoy my hike. We want to enjoy our hikes. And, you know, worst case scenario, maybe on a hike out in Michigan or uh, Colorado or uh, give me some help here. Montana. Yep. States. Name some places. Washington, Oregon. Mm. Uh, You know, the Appalachian Trail goes through, you know, what, eight states um, starting in like Shoot, I don't even know where it starts in Tennessee or something like that. Yeah, it's a long ways. It's it's a huge trail. Maybe you run into a a, a black bear. Like, what do you you know? Maybe it's not a snail, right? Maybe it's a black bear. What do you do? Exactly, man. Black bear. We're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into what you do, right? Yeah, we're gonna do it right now. So okay, we're doing it right now. Black bear. <laughs> black bear. You fight it, or at least that's the that's the common thought process is black bears are generally smaller. Um, so a large black bear, you know, between a large one is between 300 and 400 pounds. Um, but most of the time they're between like 200 and 250 pounds. So, I mean, I outweigh a black bear, so I'd feel pretty confident in either scaring it away or, you know, standing my ground and seeing where destiny is going to take me. Yeah, um, <laughs> you outweigh a black bear. They also have giant claws and teeth and a killer instinct. But <laughs> for the most part, you know, they don't care about humans. They're pretty scared of them. They're kind of like, from everything, I've never encountered a black bear. And I hope I never do. Yeah. But everything you can you can hear about is uh, that they're scared of humans. They're kind of like little squirrels. And they don't approach you unless they uh, they're used to humans. 
and they want right. food. And you can YouTube some pretty nerve-wracking uh, bear encounters. And yeah. they're pretty intense, and they're really <laughs> exciting. And it's really, really good to learn about because odds are you'll never see a black bear or a brown bear. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got to know what to do because the risk is out there if you're hiking. And, yeah, with a black bear, it's, uh, if, they, if they do decide to attack you, they're not going to stop till you're dead. So you have to fight. You have to mm-hmm. punch them in the nose, kick them in the nose, use your knife, whatever. Yeah, when I moved out to college, I um, was starting my search for like a handgun. And part of the reason was out there, there are a lot of bl- a lot of brown bears specifically. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people will use, you know, bear spray or whatever as defense on the trail. But also a lot of people will use handguns. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was looking into, you know, what caliber would be the most effective, you know, what's going to be the easiest to carry, et cetera, whatever. Um, and reading some of the accounts of people coming into, you know, contact with these bears, most of the time, you know, they get scared off by noise, by you, you know, making yourself look bigger, mm-hmm. um, whatever. But the one, the times where, you know, people have had to fight the bears off. It's really crazy. It sounds terrifying, but man, I mean, that's, that's nature at its best. Really. Yeah. And you can't, I think we'll be the last people to tell someone what to do as far as a gun. Uh, I don't think the goal is to ever, if a bear is attacking you, I think the natural instinct would be, I want to live. So this thing must die. So in that case, mm-hmm. a gun will be appropriate if it got to that point. But I mean, man, what a shame that would be if you had to, if a bear actually attacked and you had to take it down. But I think bear, Absolutely. bear spray is, I mean, I think it's only just a smart thing to do to bring. It gets rid of them pretty effectively from everything I've seen. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so black bear, I think Michigan black bear, um, that's what you're going to see. But uh, brown yep. bear, those are a whole different ball game, eh? Yep. Oh, yeah. They're the big ones. They're the ones that um, if you see one of those and it's coming at you, um, <laughs> that's when you uh, you get a little scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're kind of praying. So the common, at least what the com- the research that I've done, um, the common way to survive an encounter with a brown bear is to play dead. Um, I've also seen like if you have the ability to run down a hill, um, do that because bears actually can't really run downhill because they're, you know, their front arms, their front legs are longer than their back legs so they're not really able to run down like steep hills um also you know your other bet is if you're out hiking with someone you don't like just make sure that you can run faster than them so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah for sure there's a great youtube oh that's maybe a bad word to use but there's a youtube account a story of this man they got attacked by a grizzly bear that was out with her cubs and he was in a wooded area, a trail system that he'd been to a thousand times. And he just happened to come across this mama cub or mama bear with her two cubs. And they were yep. off, you know, hundreds of yards away, but he spotted them and she spotted him. And so he just walked in the other direction. He wouldn't think of it. And then he's walking. And then all of a sudden behind the trail, he hears her chasing. And this is yep. what uh, any bear could do this, but brown bears are, renowned that they will do a bluff charge so if they don't like you in their area or they see you as a threat then they will charge at you like they're going to attack but at the last second they'll pull off so he sees this bear coming he pulls out he had a bear spray and a sidearm so he pulled out his bear spray first he sprayed Mm -hmm. like crazy and she bluffed off and so he's like oh shit so at that point he he waits for her to you know he's waiting for her to like leave the area and he starts uh kind of moving along as well after a while and she comes back and this time she's she's not bluffing and bear spray doesn't yep. work he tries to get his firearm out doesn't do it in time this bear's on top mm-hmm. of him starts attacking him kind of rips him up a bit but what he did he uh put his hands on his neck um and then tried to roll on his stomach which he eventually accomplished and you want to roll on your stomach because That'll protect your internal organs. And he, sure. she stopped. She stopped attacking him. She gave him a few good swipes. I think the attack was like less than 15 seconds, which is still a long fucking time. 
But uh, so he's like, well, shit, he's super bloodied up his, you know, he grabs his uh, gun and he like just starts getting out of there. This bear comes back a third time. Wow. A second time where she attacks him. And this time she's not fucking around and she really, really gets after him. And I'm not, I'm not telling this story to fear monger, but I thought it was super interesting. You can, I'll try to get a link to it. This guy survives because um, this third time she gets on top of him, really starts going after him. He screamed. This is another good learning point that he expressed. He screamed in pain and she really got into him at that point. Mm. Um, so that's why I say with Grizzlies, uh, sorry, Brown Bear play dead. Because if you're dead, they won't mess with you anymore. They'll think, oh, this thing's dead. But right. you're not in their food group. At least as far as I know, bears don't eat. Uh, they like fish and things like that. Um, but they'll leave you alone. So eventually he realized after getting mauled because he screamed, he just shut up and he just took it. And uh, he ended up getting back out up after she left and got to his car and drove himself to the hospital. And he had... The list of injuries he had was massive. Yeah. He lived and he still walks that area. Insane. I mean, that is so insane. And I, I have always joked, like, um, if I'm ever going to, if I ever have to go out in nature, like if I'm going to, if it's going to be my time, I want to go out fighting a bear. (laughs) Cause that's, I mean, it's like, I mean, it's just the most, that story. I mean, it's, you know, it's gut wrenching because can you, I mean, can you just imagine like, no, you can't until it, until it ever happens to you. But man, I mean, that's just crazy. And I've read so many stories about people who just barely managed to, you know, get away or, you know, they're able to, you know, take the bear down. And at the last second too, I've read a lot of stories that, you know, they're, you know, five feet from the people and they've you know, finally unloaded their entire magazine into them and they drop. That's, I mean, it's gotta be just, yeah. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. And your instincts take over completely because it's completely, it's survival at that point. So. Sure. And obviously bear attacks are super rare. Even if yeah. you see a bear, yeah. odds are they're not going to mess with you. What you right. need to do is look big. Even if it's a brown bear or black bear, look big identify yourself, talk to the bear in a low voice, be like, Hey bear, what are you hey, doing? <laughs> uh, my buddy, Cody, who lives in Montana, he's a uh, forest firefighter. So he's out there doing, uh, you know, working on forest fires every summer. And yep. he ponders the woods all the time. He comes into bear, you know, not frequently, but he has had uh, a yeah. bear encounters. And he, he, last one he told me about was a couple months ago and he was sitting uh, by a tree like with his back up against a tree and he heard some rustling. And so he got up and there was a bear within, I don't know how I want to say 50, a hundred yards. And they both stared at each other and he talked to it and he's just like, Hey bear, what are you doing? <laughs> Move along now and stuff like that. Yeah, and right. you know, the bear snipped him out and walked away. And that's yep. what, if you do see a bear, most likely will happen. Um, so it's really, it's seeing a bear would be super cool. Also extremely terrifying, but mm-hmm. I think the most important is make yourself big, identify yourself and get that spray ready just in case. Yeah, buddy. So on to brighter things. Um, yeah. Bears are cool, but let's just talk about hiking. Um, mm. So we've, like we said, we've done a couple hikes here and we got a couple planned coming mm-hmm. up, uh, including we're in Michigan. So we like to do uh pictured rocks is a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that one semi-planned we have at least the idea down on paper but uh Mm. let's talk about uh what to pack so we're going to base this episode around someone who's interested in backpacking or hiking and it may uh want to know where to start and we have i started backpacking not religiously but i've started my first one was about seven eight years ago and it's awesome um and i learned a lot that first trip i learned even more from subsequent trips and uh, I think I wrote a little list about the must, the really like the key things you want to bring for your first backpacking trip. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's um, do it. So I think the top one was a med kit. And mm. in that med kit, if you're usually backpacking your first trip, you want to go for like an overnight, maybe a two night, but most likely an overnight. But a med kit 
is necessary still just with some basic essentials. So mm-hmm. it needs to be com- compromised, uh, comprised of anti-itch cream. Super important. Mm-hmm. You got them mm-hmm. bug bites, dude. You ain't going to sleep at night. <laughs> it sucks. Um, Band-Aids, Neosporin, Peroxide, Ace Wrap, Ibuprofen is a big one, and then some tape. I think those mm-hmm. are some essential things in that med kit just for an overnight, a two-night. It would obviously probably maybe expand if you're going for a longer trip. Right. Um, Man, going off that anti-itch cream, if you don't have bug spray, depending on what <laughs> month you go, you're in for, you're not going to want to be out there. You're going to want to go home. Right. Dude, the bugs can can ruin it real fast. I know that in camping trips, it's like mm-hmm. the the bugs can make or break your experience. They literally can. Yeah. Those little bastards, <laughs> man. And then um, extra socks. Uh, you don't want your feet getting wet, obviously. Don't forget your toilet paper. I know we have a national shortage, but man, once you get that TP, you got to take a poopy. You want that TP. Um, That's right. I I like to bring a pot for boiling water. So a lot of probably, I know my first hike, and I still buy the meals that require hot water. Um, you can go to any sporting goods store and buy camping meals or freeze-dried eggs, and they mm-hmm. require hot water. You pour it in there, and it seal it back up and it kind of cooks and produces the food so having a pot a small lightweight pot um, for boiling that water would be perfect Um, and then rope so this was one thing that i would have definitely overlooked if it wasn't for a buddy that told me about it and it's going off the bear thing so bears are pretty much just after food easy food Um, they're not Mm -hmm. really after humans but they know with humans may come food so a rope comes in handy when you set up your camp you got your tent going you do not put your pack in your tent yes a lot of sites will have bear cages which is a big metal thing you just go put your pack in there at night because most likely your pack will contain some food or at least will smell like food yeah um that's not don't put food in your tent when you go to sleep at night um so if they don't have that cage, what you do is use that rope, you throw it up over a tree branch and you raise your pack up in the tree Yep. Um, somewhere a bear can't get it. So a rope is huge just in case. Um, yeah, we call them uh, bear bags. Uh, bear bags. Because the, the place I work is called Eagle Village. Mm-hmm. Um, they do week-long hiking trips with the kids there. And one of the big pieces of you know, prep work that they do is learning how to do bear bags, which is essentially mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Um, you find a tree, you put all of your stuff, you know, that's food related, you know, garbage, whatever into the bear bag, cooking stuff, whatever. And then you raise it up into the tree. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's very simple, easy practice and you need to do it along with that. Let's get you a nice old knife mm-hmm. to bring out there. Not just for personal protection, because odds are you're not going to need it for that. Yep. But you want it for cutting up food, cutting yep. up rope. I mean, it, you realize the importance of a good knife real Absolutely. quick when, you, when yeah. you get out to somewhere where you can't just open a drawer and it's there. Yep. Um, and that will go with other utensils as well. But a good um, outdoor knife, not like a steak knife. <laughs> yeah. A bushcrafting um, knife. Yeah. You know all about those. Uh, yeah. And the last one I had is um, besides, you know, the we're going to go into other key equipments and some details like the tent and shoes and things like that, but a lighter, mm-hmm. if you want to be a badass and bring a Flint, what is it? A rock, rock and Flint or whatever. The Flint and Tinder. Flint and Tinder. You can be yeah. do that, but man, just nice lighter will do good. I, so this could maybe be overpacking, but the way I look at it is like, I'll bring a lighter. So I have a, I have a Zippo windproof lighter. Great. Um, that's, I mean, first line of defense right there, but then, um, a small kind of compact Flint and steel just in case. Um, I've been trying to learn how to use them. They're a little bit harder. I mean, especially if you don't buy a good one, if you buy like one of the crappy ones, um, that are, you have to hit it at the right angle and you know, it just, Mm -hmm. they don't work very well, but, um, I'm thinking about, and, and a good one will cost you between 20 and $40 and probably be worth it. But, um, 
they're real simple. You can throw them in a little side pocket. And if your lighter runs out of lighter fluid or doesn't right. want to function, then you at least have some way to start fire, which is, I mean, as you know, a very important thing when you're out yeah. in the wilderness. Yeah. Not mm. only is it nice and heat and warmth, it's a great way to end the night. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a really good point. Cause yeah, you, you don't want to depend on a lighter. Um, you know, but uh, for a one night, a two night, odds are you're going to be somewhere that's fairly populated and maybe yeah. you'll run into someone at a campsite or whatever. But man, yeah, you want to be the person to whip out a lighter when, or a flint and <laughs> tinder when the lighter doesn't work. That's exactly, yeah, exactly. Always, I mean, I haven't gone on like long trips like you have yet. Um, and I've watched, I've done a lot of looking into it just so everybody knows I've done a lot of camping, but backpacking is something that I'm still new to. Um, so camping, especially car camping, you tend to overpack because you want to bring as many, you know, commodities from home as you can and make it as comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so like weight really isn't an issue, but then when you get out and you're backpacking and you're, you're hiking, weight becomes a large thing that you're thinking about because you have to carry all of the things that you <laughs> thought you needed. So it's right. like trying yeah. to prioritize what you want and what you think you want and then what you need. Um, so like you're talking about a knife, like, yeah, absolutely. I have a knife, but I also think like a small camp hatchet is a essential thing. And most of that just comes from my experience with camping. We mm-hmm. had a very small camp hatchet and we used it for a lot of different tasks, whether it was <clears throat> like hammering tent stakes or cutting up small pieces of firewood or, you know, mm-hmm. anything along those lines. So the the gear too is sort of you know your personal preference um there's lots of different things you can do and it just depends on what you want and how you want to carry it yeah i mean you i mean you're packing things on your back that's how you do this right so weight is obviously the biggest thing you want you want the most effective things for the least amount of weight exactly um and a hatchet that's a great idea i think you're not just going to find perfect firewood in the forest. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you can manage that great. Um, and there's a lot of lightweight hatchets out there that you can use mm-hmm. and you can purchase. Um, let's, uh, let's uh, go into some uh, like shoes. Yeah. So I, there's a lot of different shoes. You can get a lot of different uh, companies, Merrill. So many, one of the, one of the big ones and there's a lot of smaller ones. Um, Let's talk about high top versus uh, low ankle. Mm. So I, I prefer the lower sitting shoe. I don't like high tops, um, but the biggest things you want to look for, is it waterproof? Does it have good arch support? And is it low versus high ankle? And I think the low or low ankle versus high top is just a preference. Yeah. But uh, arch support and waterproof are two of the biggest things in your shoes you want to look for. But you for like sure. high top. Yeah, I like the ankle support. What I don't like is they take more time to break in Uh, (laughs) i've had bad experiences where i've been either walking in boots or whatever and these Mm. boots just blister the shit out of my heels um Mm -hmm. so like i just got a new pair of hiking boots they're high tops um and i've been wearing them like around the house i've been wearing them on bike rides i've been wearing them i mean you name it you know I've been wearing them everywhere because I want to get them broken in as fast as possible. Um, yeah. that's, uh, but that's, it's a sacrifice that I'm willing to make for some extra ankle support and, um, maybe a little bit of extra foot protection in general. I do like, like yeah. the low tops are nice too. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm going to go out and, you know, we're going to do a two or three, two or three day adventure, um, I'll take some high tops. Yeah, I think that's a great point to wear your shoes before you go hiking to break them in. I mean, yeah. that's, uh, if you get out, man, the first uh, overnight I ever did, I wore high top boots and it was summer. It was unnecessary to wear boots. Um, and it was miserable the second day because I had blisters yeah. everywhere. My feet were torn yep. up because I never wore them for, I mean, we hiked 20 miles and I've never worn these boots for more than probably you know, a quarter mile before. Right. It was miserable. So it's just a rookie mistake. Um, and I think f- so, yeah. people who don't have experience overlook how important your comfort, the comfort of your feet is. Cause if your feet hurt and you got blisters everywhere and I mean, whatever, if your feet aren't 
you know, taken care of, you're going to be miserable because you're, you're walking everywhere. Even if you want to go home, you got to walk to the car. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's just not, it's not fun at all to be stuck Mm -hmm. in bad footwear or footwear. That's not broken in because a lot of boots will require Mm -hmm. some break in. So, yep. Oh, but man, once you break those in, you got that nice, nice arch support, Mm -hmm. man, that hike, it's going to be great. Yep. So packs, so backpacks, this is obviously what uh, we're going to store everything in. And I mean, literally everything except your knife that might be around your waistband or something. Um, Overnight hikes, two night hikes. uh, I would suggest a 50 to 60 liter pack. And that's just the different size for day hikes. Maybe you don't even need a pack, but something smaller, you know, 20 to 35 uh, liter that'll be fine for whatever you want to bring like that's kind of what you wore for that yeah like, uh, last weekend which is just water some snacks and yeah you know whatever so when you when you talk about liters um how how does that equate to size so like because i know that when i first started looking at packs i had no idea what liter like how big is you know mm-hmm. a 60 liter or a there's 80 liters and there's 20 you know like what does that look like yeah well so what you wore the other day was, I want to say 20 to 30 liter, maybe that's like the size of a basic school backpack, mm-hmm. right? So 50 to 60 liters, um, it's going to be what you, that looks like everybody can visualize a backpacker. That's what those packs are. They sit around, they go from basically the middle of your head down to your hip. They'll buckle at the hip, they'll buckle at the chest, right? So they're, they're large packs. Yeah. Um, you can fit a lot and they've got some back support. They've got some hip support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's another key thing too. If, if you want that buckle dude, right by the hip, have you tried, Oh, maybe you haven't yet, but if you've ever tried, uh, buckling that hip in and then unbuckling it, it's so damn hard to walk with it. Yeah. It's tough. I'm, it's, Even last week when we were doing that hike, I had the chest buckle buckled. Mm-hmm. And then when I would unbuckle it, it was like, man, this is, I feel, it's way less supportive when you're just, you know, dangling. Yeah, man. You don't want to dangle. You want that hip, that, uh, that buckle, you want the, that support to sit right on top of your hip bones mm-hmm. and you want it going right across your chest up mm-hmm. top. So that's, you're going to feel a lot better when those are in the right position. Little tight across the chest. Little time to cross the chest, yes. <laughs> so, um, let's, uh, well, I got pretty good, uh, let's talk about sleeping bags. He's got pretty good input about that right now. So, I like uh, anything here, you want it to be light and effective. That's what we're kind of going for. Mm-hmm. I prefer, I like the mummy sleeping mm-hmm. bag, which is a very form fitting, it's compact, um, and I fit into it just fine. But you discovered a, uh, qu- what was it again? What's They're it called? called backpacking quilts. Um, yeah, that's it. So mummy bags, as like you were saying, they're very compact. You kind of, I mean, like it's a, it's a mummy bag. So you're squeezed in there, which for me, I can be claustrophobic. So I don't like mummy bags. I've been in a mummy bag before. I'm a large person. I just don't enjoy mummy bags. So I was looking for an alternative and I came across, um, these backpacking quilts and they're really interesting because, they're sort of like big blankets with sort of like a foot pouch um, at the bottom. So like mm-hmm. the they're essentially it's the same idea as a sleeping bag, but um, you can and you can make it, you know, fit different ways depending on how you like to sleep. Um, but essentially you attach it to your sleeping pad, which I'm sure we'll talk about sleeping pads uh, at some point. And you attach mm-hmm. it to the sleeping pad and then it sort of becomes like a sleep system in and of itself. Um, so with a quilt, a big piece of it is having a high quality sleeping pad that's insulated. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, uh, from everything that I have read and learned about these quilts, they're just as good as a mummy bag and they're smaller and lighter most of the time as well. The, Biggest downside is going to be your cost. Um, so you feel like you're spending a lot of money. I know like the quilt that Connor and I are looking at right now, um, it's about 400 bucks. But then comparatively, wow. like 
doing some research into like higher quality mummy bags, the same temperature rating, the same kind of like feather fill, all that type of stuff, you know, you're going to be looking at a $600 sleeping bag. So like it's, you know, comparable, um, but a split between two people, it's not a really that big of a deal. And as long as you're going to use it, I mean, you get what you pay for. So mm-hmm. we're, we're going to give the yeah. quilts a try only because I'm just not a fan of sleeping bags. So <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think I purchased my mummy bag for it was between 70 and a hundred dollars. And if we're, it is all about comfort because comfort is right there up with your shoes. Like you have to be able to sleep yeah. at night comfortably. You don't want to be laying on the rock hard ground, yep. cold ground. You don't want to be cold uh, because your sleeping bag mm-hmm. sucks. Um, usually in Michigan in the summer, the spring, maybe fall, you're going to be fine with most anything, depending on where you're at. We, we camped by Lake Superior once uh, in June. I want to say it was June. And I was freezing. I had to put a hat mm-hmm. on at night. I woke up and it was just so cold. But, you know, it's really nice to know there are different options, the mummy and the yep. sleeping, the quilt. So it's yeah. really cool. Um, so let's go sleeping pads. So you don't want to be sleeping on the rock hard ground. There are tons of good sleeping pads. Let's not spend too much yep. time on this available on Amazon. Um, there are ones that you can roll up. And so it's kind of looks like a log and you would attach that to your pack. I used to have that. I'm not a huge fan because a it's bulky. It takes up a lot of space in my pack and it's, that's pretty much the biggest reason it was pretty comfortable, but it was just too big for me to carry. So I prefer this uh, one that I found on Amazon. I don't know the brand. There's a bunch of them, but it kind of rolls up into like a, almost like a coffee Mm -hmm. cup size. And uh, you just put that in your side pocket when you're done with it. And then you just blow it up with your mouth, your yeah. mouth there. And it's, it's honestly, I've never slept better on a hike than with one. of Yeah. Those. We just got, um, I had a crappy like military surplus sleeping pad for many years that I slept on a couple times. And the, mm-hmm. I mean, it gets you off the ground. It's not soft. It was, I mean, it was what it was. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, my roommate's dog chewed that up a few years ago, so that's been long gone. But anyway, <laughs> I just invested in um, a sleeping pad. It's the Climate Sleeping Pad. It's called the V Lux or whatever. Um, extra wide. It's insulated, and it's got like nice. V-shaped pet like cushions or whatever. Um, it was like uh, eighty bucks. Um, I blew it up and laid on it for <laughs> a little while. I, you know, it was. It was like sleeping on an air mattress, essentially, that, you know, yeah, went into a little stuff sack and is, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, it, mine, mine is probably not the size of a coffee cup, but um, I yeah. have a feeling that I'm going to sleep great. And it's small enough to, like, take on the motorcycle. I mean, mm-hmm. you can use it anywhere, which is great. So mm-hmm. pretty pumped about it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, I think I got mine for 40. So there's a price range and I'm going in my third season with mine. Corey, your prize, yours will probably last you, you know, your whole life if you can I take hope care so, of it. Yeah. Well. So initial investment might be a lot, but you're going to get a lot of good use. Yeah. Um, so for a pillow, I usually just use my pack or some extra clothes. Um, don't waste time packing a pillow. Some sleeping pads actually come um, with a built-in pillow. Like a little built build up. Yeah. So that's kind of I cool. I was gonna say um, with pillows, I just have I have like a waterproof sack that I put my clothes in and that becomes mm. my pillow. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. I mean you gotta, you know, two yep. for one. So your tent, you just yeah. bought a tent. I bought my first tent two years ago. I think I bought my actual own tent. Um otherwise I was using other people's uh I did a lot of research. I bought a T. I don't even know how to say the brand name. Teton or Teton. Yeah, Teton or uh, whatever. Pretty po- really Teton. Really popular brand. Really good initial tent. You want to keep your weight if you're backpacking with this tent. Keep the weight of the tent around two and a half pounds, um, and a lot of that weight is just going to be with the stakes. And I've heard people don't even bring stakes. Sometimes they just you know find whatever's around. They use pound some sticks in. They feel. Are, are worthwhile or they just don't use stakes because it's not windy. Right. They don't really need them. Um, so it's just up to you, but around two and a half pounds yep. for your tent. The one we just got, uh, 
It's three and a half pounds. We set it up in the living room the other day. Um, mm-hmm. Really, really nice tent. Um, so I'm excited to give it a try out in the in the wilderness. Yeah, perfect. Cool. I think. Uh, oh, the last one. Well, long socks, pants. Watch out for ticks. Yes. Um, that's that's the biggest thing that I wear pants for. Is I don't want a tick on me. Bug spray. Um, and then uh, bug spray. Yeah. Uh, water purifying system. Man, this uh, this is again uh, one day, two days. You're not gonna really run into trouble. Bring two giant water bottles. You'll most likely be okay. You're not gonna die out there. Um, but you're gonna you may get thirsty. My very first hike we did overnight, the towards the mid second day, ran out of water, and we were dying because it was a lot of elevation changes. We were super thirsty, and we weren't in danger, but you know we were thirsty. So Zach pulled out his uh his water pump basically put one hose in the river started pumping and nice clean fresh water came out the other and end it's crazy too, Man, the water delicious. purification there's so much for water purification i mean there's there's things called life straws which you can literally suck like you can put into a puddle of like stagnant water and drink it through this life straw and it's filtered clean water or i mean there's yeah. stuff like that there's stuff like you were just saying the water pump um there's also uh, water purification tablets. So it's basically like iodine tablets. Um, yep. There's tons of different ways to do it, but I agree. And I think it's always smart to be more prepared. So like having, you know, a couple big bottles of water and then also bringing, you know, patients of some kind, whether it's tablets or something like Zach had, whatever um, it's because mm-hmm. if you run out of water, you're sort of screwed. <laughs> yeah, you can be. I mean, it's, yeah, if you don't have one of those, like I said, if, if you're going overnight, like, yeah, it might suck, but um, you'll be okay. But having extra yeah. water is crucial, really. Um, great. Water purifying system. Let's, okay. uh, I'm done with equipment. You feel good with that? I'm yeah, gonna I'm good. I mean, cool you you're the equipment guru at this point. I just I'm just getting stuff now. So <laughs> yeah, well, um, let's do oh some of the best hikes yeah. in Michigan. So you've been the last one we did last week was really really good. It was Silver Creek Pathway, and I think if it was the summer or the fall when the leaves start to change. Obviously, anything's going to be beautiful when leaves are changing, but this place had some really, really good views. Uh, you walked right along the river. It was... Uh, a lot of elevation changes. Oh, uh, shit. What was the river's name? Uh, yeah. That wasn't... Was it the Manistee River? I don't remember. Nope. Nope. It's in that area. There's a lot of really good trails over in the Manistee National Forest, but it wasn't the Manistee uh, River. Um, but it was, a, it was another river, good sized river and lots of elevation changes, lots of really pretty views. It was about a four mile loop and you can bring your pets and it's, it's a really good, really good pathway. It's, uh, just East or yep. Southwest of Cadillac, Michigan. Um, what other um, you got? I'm going to be honest with you around Michigan. Um, not much. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm a rookie in Michigan, but I was out in Colorado, did some pretty cool hikes out there. Um, Beulah mm-hmm. State Park out there. Um, Beulah is a town, a real small town in Colorado. It's about 30 minutes west of Pueblo, Colorado. Um, beautiful hike. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. There's, you know, canyons, there's mountain. I mean, you name it, There, it's there. Um, that was a really cool hike. There was another one that I did. It was called Lake in the Clouds. Um, that is about a two 2,500 foot elevation climb, which, you know, uh, for a lot of people is nothing. Um, but that was my first big hike. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took about six hours to get up and then about four hours. Uh, it was probably, yeah, six to seven hours to get up. Um, and about five, four, four to five hours to get down. Um, but getting to the top, you come up finally to the kind of the end of the trail and there's a huge, massive lake in the bowl of these big mountain peaks. Um, 
and it was beautiful. It was totally worth it. I will say that was absolutely one of the hardest physical things I've ever had to do. Um, it was more of a mental challenge really because <laughs> my, and it was, you know, my feet were killing me because I spent like $2 on a pair of used boots that were awful. Um, but my faithful hound, Annie basically pulled me up the mountain. I kept, I kept her on the leash just so I had motivation <laughs> to keep moving up. Um, yeah, but yeah, out in, I mean, out in Colorado, I did, I did a lot of really, really beautiful hikes and looking back on it, I wish I would have done more, but I did more. I was more on my motorcycle exploring. Um, but man, that the 14 ers out there hiking mm-hmm. the 14,000 foot peaks, there's like 20 some peaks that are 14,000 feet that you can climb up, um, which are pretty intense. I mean, they're intense feats of mental and physical strength for sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, Michigan wise, the last couple weeks, I've probably done more hiking than I ever have before that. Um, so, and I can't wait, like we're planning at pictured rocks hike at the end of April, super excited, get Mm -hmm. off the grid for a little bit, um, get out in nature and, you know, I, I'm really, really pumped for that. So yeah, I think Michigan is a fantastic state to begin a backpacking, you know, hobby or like thing that you do because it's there are really really great trails. Like in Colorado, elevation Dude, can yeah, really it's crazy. put someone in the dirt. There are some elevation, but if you're in sh- if you're in shape in Michigan, you're going to be fine. Um and there's a lot of good spots. You can still see some wildlife, but things that aren't going like, to yeah. hunt you and kill you or whatever. Um, it's it's a great state to start off in, uh, especially for day hikes. And once you get into pictured rocks, there's some obviously really good backpacking. Uh, I think one of the best trails in lower Michigan for backpacking is the Manistee River Trail. And this is an extremely popular trail. You're going to see other people on this trail if you go out. And it's about, well, it goes along the Manistee River and there's one side of it. It's about, I think it's eight to 10 miles long. And then it can loop around to the other side of the river for the North Country Trail, which is, wow, um, the whole thing is around 20 miles. And man, that Manistee River side, though, the views, like the river is wide and clear and it's winding beneath you and the views you can see for miles above the trees. And like some of the sites you can camp at, like right on the edge yep. with a, an amazing view of the river and the other, you know, it's just fantastic. Like I would recommend that. I would recommend getting there early in the day, setting up a really good campsite you should take me and to exploring there. exploring from there. Um, I will take you there. It's a wonderful, uh, I mean, it's very popular. You, you look it up and you'll see some great pictures and you got to go Sweet. even for a day hike. It's good for a day hike. Um, so obviously pictured rocks, I mean, that's world renowned. And then up in the UP, I've had a, the fortune of living in Houghton. So bear bluff, again, a bluff is a giant, like wall of fucking rock. Wow. And you hike up this thing and you can look out and I have some of those incredible pictures during the fall and it's windy. It's right off Lake Superior. You're right on the lake. You can see for miles and miles yeah. and it's it's really cool there's nothing around you i mean you're in the up you're up by copper harbor and that's the tip of the tip of michigan up there it's 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 a great place and then montreal falls which is a great waterfall up in uh Hope. yeah can you man, hear the birds, birds out man, there it's really setting the tone i like it yeah uh, i hell yeah, sitting kid. out on my back porch yeah, great um there's a lot of nature happening right now and before you called i was yeah uh having a little bit of a a pipe smoke i occasionally will smoke pipe tobacco and listening to the birds and some shire music some lord of the rings shire music it's pretty relaxing Hmm. yeah yeah (sighs) that sounds great absolutely freaking we should should do that around the campfire that's man campfires to end the night to our biggest i think like backpacking the act of it the walking part is great because you can see mm-hmm. great sites yep. 
you're getting your activity in. But really, uh, for me, the thing is the reward, which is setting up base camp, getting yeah. that fire going, getting your food going out in the wild, and just relaxing. And that campfire is just, man, it really, really, really sets <clears throat> the environment up for you. Yep. And you're not worried about anything. It's just, it's warm. You connect with everybody around it. It's the reason why we have uh, on the weekly warrior mm-hmm. weekly warrior podcast the community campfire because around a and campfire you get people are just going to connect. The, yeah, that natural. caveman TV. Everything else co- just kind of disappears. Um, and I know mm-hmm. f- I, fire has always been fascinating yeah. for me. Um, I really enjoy sitting around fire, and you know, like you said, you get to talk or you can say nothing at all, and it's still a very kind of connected experience. Hey, Millie. <laughs> Um, or rider. Hey, dog. That was rider. <laughs> um, but yeah, the campfire. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> it's truly one of the most satisfying parts, um, mm. of the whole yeah. process. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love it. And uh, yeah, you want to be the sure. guy that knows how to build a campfire too. <laughs> you want you want to talk about big dick yeah energy? I, I i mean i have Golf such fond memories of campfires uh especially we have a cabin up in canada it's an old family hunting and fishing cabin and we have a fire pit out on the beach um and it's surrounded by the you know that's on the water there's big giant pudding stones all around it so pudding stones they are they're native to northern michigan and canada um crazy they're really white but they have, you know, red and black and cream and all these different color, little small rocks in inside. Um, and I'm not a geologist, but it, you know, it's the way that they were kind of formed and compressed together. And they, you know, they form these bigger rocks. Um, and it's actually illegal to transport them across national borders. Um, but yeah, that's just a, a good Neat. memory that I have, at, you know, sitting around the campfire. Um, I had to sit on a big yeah. giant rock because I broke too many camp chairs. So they, they made me sit on, a, they made me sit on a boulder <laughs> and they called it the big man chair. <laughs> so yeah, oh, we man. would make s'mores and hang That's out and it was yeah, always good memories. I, yeah. I think you, everybody should have good memories of sitting around a campfire, especially now when we're so indoors and, it's easy not even to think about having a campfire yeah, because it's sure. so far away from our everyday activity. Uh, yeah. If you, you have to really be conscious and go out of your way. I mean, and you're going to have so many good stories, I, man. We used to go up to the mm-hmm. UP every summer with my buddy Cody and his family. Yep. And we'd always have campfires. Obviously we're right out on the lake and his dad was, you know, huge outdoorsman, you know, loved to yeah. hunt and just a man's man really. And we were, you know, 12, 13, 14, you know, whatever at the time. And he'd be like, all right, boys, build a campfire. So we built a campfire. <laughs> Mostly it was Zach and Cody because I didn't really know how to, how, how to build a campfire at that point in my life. So they were kind of building it and I'm watching build it and I'm collecting sticks. And he looks at me and goes, all right, you have one match. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, motherfucker. It's such so a like, good you challenge. You have one match yeah. to light this fire. And I did it. Yeah, I did it. And that was the first like, you pump your know. chest First, feel like a man really good memory early no yeah. but i certainly i was like super proud and smiled because oh yeah he's the type of dude you want to please i guess for sure yeah you know everybody has that you, you want to impress so lighting it with one match yeah. i was like hell yeah i was 12 i was like, oh yeah I'm so great. and uh i'll never forget that'll be a challenge i always give to yeah someone i've done it a couple times it's pretty fun Ah, man. So yeah, we got that pictured rock site yep. coming up. Um, we're going to plan that. And uh, I would, uh, I think we're going to wrap this up here, but I would encourage anybody to even get out there for a day hike, especially now being uh quarantine. This, this episode's going to last, it's going to be on the yeah. interwebs for much longer than our quarantine will go on. But right now, you know, get outside. There's, you know, you're still allowed to do that. Go on a hike. If you're not by uh, the woods, if you're not fortunate to have those around you, then, you know, at least walk around the block and then start planning those wooded trips because they are healing and they're yeah, fun. I was watching so something about all the it. national parks and uh, a feller named John. Uh, I'm sorry, not John. Glenn was named Glenn Muir. It was Teddy. Ro- 
Yeah, Glady, it was Teddy Roosevelt's. Yeah, John. John was, yeah, so Teddy Roosevelt's good John friend, Murr. John Muir. Um, you know, he he quoted. He has a lot of famous quotes like "The mountains are calling and I must go." And um, he was big on the healing mm-hmm. nature of the 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 wilderness and nature. Um, and Teddy Roosevelt echoed those in a lot of ways. You know, that's mm-hmm. where you can go to really reconnect and recharge and. Um, he did it a lot when, especially while he was president, he would take a lot of trips into nature. And obviously he was a huge advocate of the, I mean, without him, we wouldn't have a lot of the national, even, even state parks that we have now. Um, because it's like the Redwood national forest out in California, 99% of that was forested. Um, until he stepped in and said, no more, we can't, I mean, some of those trees are 2000 years old. Um, and we were just cutting them down for lumber, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, that was a different time and that was the way they thought, but thank God he, he did that because now these things are preserved Yellowstone, Redwood national forest. You know what I mean? All I even up, you know, pictured rocks Lakeshore mm-hmm. is a national park. So, um, yeah, so Yep. The mountains are calling. I must go get out in nature, recharge, reconnect. It's good for your soul. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about John Muir too is, uh, he, oh shit. I just had, he, uh, there's a John Muir trail and, uh, it's one of the most famous trails in America, in the world. And yeah, it was because of John Muir went out. I think it's Muir, Muir. Um, went out yes. with he took Teddy Roosevelt under the wild yep. like they just you you read the he they was, shared stories he inspired and Teddy Roosevelt eggs yeah. and that's how that they were the, yeah they it was his doing that Teddy was like okay we need to preserve these specific yes. sites so John yep. Muir had a lot to do with that and uh, yeah man those are some good stories and go on and on that's a whole another episode though but yeah I agree let's uh let's wrap this up so we'll be back next week with another episode. Give us a follow at Weekly Warrior Podcast on Instagram. And, so uh, long, friend. Discover the warrior within. Thank you guys for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you can use this information for all of your future hikes. We hope you come back and share some stories with us because we always love hearing some good outdoors stories. As always, leave us that five-star review. We love reaching new audiences. And with your help, we can make that possible. So leave us that review if you have an extra minute. More importantly, you have a great day. Hang in there now because you're doing great.